Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family. And hey, um, at all of our campuses, guys, uh, today, if you can't celebrate today, there's something wrong with you. Today, across all of our locations at all of our campuses, we are baptizing more than 300 people today. That's right, man. Come on. And, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes people will pray for revival, and man, sometimes you just get to go, man, we're seeing a little bit of one. And so we just can't wait uh, to celebrate with everybody that's taking that step today. Now, what that means is that I got to get right to the point. And so let me, if you got your Bibles, uh, actually, I'm going to be flipping all over the place, so just track with me. All right. Uh, where we are today, <laughs> a lot of scripture today. Uh, where we are today, we are in week four of a series that we've just been calling There Is More uh, on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. Um, if there is any message that's going to stretch you, it's going to be this week or next week. Um, what we're doing, uh, so let me do next week. Next week, <clears throat> the title of the message is Spiritual Gifts That Freak People Out. And, uh, you know, I just want to be very straightforward. And <laughs> we're going to talk about all the, you know, prophecy and tongues and what's all that stuff mean? What does it not mean? And all that. So we'll get there next week. This week, so let me recap in this uh, message. We've been kind of uh, titling these sermons almost like questions. So, you know, one week we asked, you know, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, last week we asked, you know, what, what was Pentecost? What, what happened at, at Pentecost? Uh, this week is not a question. Uh, the title of the sermon is a command. So the title of the sermon this week is Be Filled with the Spirit. That's the title of the sermon. Be Filled with the Spirit. And I titled the sermon, Be Filled with the Spirit, because there's a Bible verse that says, Be Filled with the Spirit. And so like, you can, you know, so like, well, I'm literally just preaching a Bible command. All right, that's all I'm doing today. And uh, let me just kind of get right in to where I'm talking about today. Um, What you're going to see in the Bible is that there are three significant experiences that mark turning points in a Christian life. And here's what they are. I'm going to say them and I'm going to explain them. One is salvation, and that's the most important experience. That's, that's what transfers you from, uh, you know, from uh, sin to righteousness, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you know, from, he- from hell uh, to heaven, all, all those things. That's the most important one. Now, the second one is what a lot of people are doing today, and, and that's baptism. Now, I'll talk about that here in a second. That's, it, baptism is a sign, but it's more than a sign. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Now, what I really, really want to land on today is what Ephesians 5.18 is, is commanding Christians. And it's this, this experience of, of being filled with the Spirit. And honestly, I just want to ask you a very probing question. 
Is there a time in your life that you can point to and go, the Lord filled me with his spirit in a unique way in that time? Uh, That's a question I want everybody to ask. Um, You know, this week... I took about, uh, I probably read about 30 descriptions of Christians' encounters with, man, what was it like for God to do a unique work in my life and fill me with his spirit in a unique, unique way? You know, and I read a bunch of them. I'm going to talk about an experience I had in just a couple minutes. Uh, my favorite one that I ran across is from a guy named Blaise Pascal. Uh, Blaise Pascal was a philosopher, mathematician, scientist uh, in the 17th century and, and, uh, and had written tons of philosophy. And then in the year 1654, so I just want to point this out. We got a mathematician and philosopher. This is not like some weird dude bringing shofars into worship services and flames on his van and reading left behind all the, you know, that's not what this is. This is a philosopher and a mathematician. And in 1654, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that just melted him. And for the rest of his life, he was changed forever again. Uh, He described this encounter like this. He wrote it down on a little sheet of paper. And all all he wrote was, in the year of grace, 1654. And then he wrote in all caps, FIRE. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Your God will be my God. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel. Grandeur of the human soul. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And then he finished like this. Joy, joy, joy tears of joy. Now, he had this experience. What's very interesting about this is that he, uh, when he died, they found this little piece of paper where he described this encounter of the Spirit, and he had sewn it inside of his coat so that for the rest of his life, it always covered his heart. And I really want to ask you this question. Have you, Ephesians 5.18, have you had an encounter with the Spirit so that you can go, man, God deposited a fresh power into my life then. Now, um, let me pause here uh, because for a lot of people who come from a background like mine, you know, anytime somebody starts talking about being filled with the Spirit, you just sort of tense up and you're like, what is he doing? What is getting ready to happen? And uh, even though I'm like literally just preaching a Bible verse, it's like, ah, I don't know. And here's what I think about that is I, I think it's because this, uh, this concept of being filled with the Spirit it's, it's been, uh, it, it's got bad packaging. It's been packaged very badly. Um, I want to use an illustration here so you understand what I'm saying. Uh, because um, you'll notice this, a good, let me say it and, and then illustrate it. A good thing will be rejected by lots of people if it's in bad packaging. So you go to the store and it could be a really good product that would really change your life. But if it's packaged wrong, the font's wrong, it's a bad picture on the front, you know, it doesn't really do a good job explaining what it is, then you'll just like, you'll, you'll reject it. I actually have some like little humorous examples of this. So uh, for instance, uh, here's one I found this week is uh, fine, fine fart is what it says, but it's fine art. So, you know, it's supposed to be a fine art kit. And I'm just going to go out of my way to say the type of person that's going to like somewhere to buy something fine art doesn't want you know, fine fart. They don't want that, okay? I'm just going to go out of my way and guess that. Now, before, guys, don't put the next one up yet. Okay, before they put this next one up, this is an actual packaging picture 
from head and shoulders shampoo, okay? And so just go ahead and toss that up here. There, there it is, okay? Now I'm like, who chose this guy, you know? And I do want to say this. I was thinking about this this week. That really makes me wonder how hairy that guy's shoulders are. That's what that really, I'm like, man, they picked him for a reason, and I know what it wasn't, you know? Okay. Uh, let, me, let me, just two more real quick. Uh, would anybody buy this? Tastes like grandma. Am I, am I buying that jam? I'm not buying that jam. Tastes like grandma. Nope. Okay, now. The last one, uh, listen, I like to keep the air real pure up here. I'm not even going to read this last one out loud. So you lean forward and squint. And, and this, is an, this is an actual, uh, actual label from a, you know, a, a buffet. Okay, now you, you read it. Can you read it? Okay, the people in the back, you're going to ask somebody later what it said and they'll tell you. Now, what's di- most disturbing to me about this is not just the label, it's that a lot of that rice got eaten, okay? So, so what I just want to notice, I just want to point this out to you, is that an awesome and good thing, a good gift, will get rejected if it's in bad packaging. And when it comes to what it means, the Bible means when it commands people who are already Christians, Ephesians is written to people who are already Christians, when it comes to this concept of, man, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? A lot of people, they tense up and they reject it because they've seen it put in bad packaging. So for instance, you may have seen anytime somebody talked about being filled with the Spirit, and you're like, oh, that's going to be wild, insane, unhinged emotionalism. Deifying emotions and people turn into these people who ever, you know, it's just they lose control of their emotions and they interpret that experience as being filled with the Spirit. And you're like, I'm out. And can I just point something out to you from the Bible? You remember what Romans says? It says, for you did not receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So when somebody is filled with the Spirit in a unique way, they like get more based, not less. Okay? Now I'll give you another one. Some people, you've resi- you, you don't have anything to do with this conversation because everybody who you've ever met that talked about being filled with the Spirit, they were like, oh, and if that happens, you'll speak in tongues. You're gonna speak, and you're like, bro, that's just weird. You're like, I don't know what to do with that. It's weird. It's just weird. Well, can I just point out to you, whatever you think the gift of tongues is, we'll maybe talk about what that is and isn't next week. Whatever you think that gift is, can I just lean in? and it, That cannot be the thing that always accompanies or is always a sign of being filled with the Spirit. Here's how I know that. 1 Corinthians 14 specifically says, not all speak in tongues. So whatever that gift is, the Bible's saying, not everybody gets it. And then number two, in the book of Acts, there are six times where people are filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts. Three times they do whatever speaking in tongues is, and the other three times they don't. So can I, let, me just, let me just say this. Um, I had a, a pretty radical encounter with the Holy Spirit back, I think it was around 2013. I, I'm going to talk about that a little more. Uh, when that happened to me, I have never spoken in tongues in my life. God has never given me that gift. However, two things did happen to me. I got freedom from a lust issue that I'd wrestled with basically my entire life, and my ministry began to have a power it had never had before. Okay, now, watch this. Those are the two signs or evidences of being filled with the Spirit. You become more like Jesus, and you get power for your calling. That's a sign. That's what happens when you are, there's a few people who like that. It's awesome. Great. Cool. That's what happens when, you, when you're, you're filled with the Spirit. So let, let's just dive into these really quick. So three experiences that uh, mark the Christian life is number one. We're, let's go through them sequentially. Number one, the Holy Spirit 
baptizes you into Christ, and that happens at salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says this, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, the body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You're immersed in the person of Jesus by the Holy Spirit when you're saved. All right, now watch this. Step number two. A disciple baptizes us into water. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, it means to immerse, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I want to say this. Baptism, because we're doing this today, let me just, here's a one sentence, two, two, two sentence sermon, maybe, maybe three, we'll see. Okay, Here, here's what it is. Baptism is, is a sign, but it's more than a sign. So you remember in the Old Testament when Israel went through the water of the Red Sea, that, that their enemies tried to go in behind them. And you remember when they came out of that water, they left their old enemies, their old slavery behind in the water. When you're baptized, you leave your old self and your old slavery in that water so that you can walk in the new. Okay, so this is what happens. So a disciple baptizes us into water. Now, step three, Jesus fills us with the Holy Spirit. I got a lot of verses. Uh, let me just do one. Jesus fills with the Holy Spirit. This is Matthew three eleven. I baptize you with water for repentance, John the Baptist says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with what? with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I need to say a couple things about this verse. A lot of people look at that verse and they go, oh yeah, Josh, but that verse <clears throat> was about what happened to the 12 apostles on Pentecost. Nope, wrong, not possible. What we just read, John the Baptist said this in Matthew chapter 3, the disciples hadn't even been called yet. This verse in Matthew chapter 3, the disciples aren't called until Matthew chapter 4. So there's a lot of people who say that verse is talking about what happened to the apostles or to the 120 in the upper room because John wasn't speaking to the 12 or the 120. Here's what John was saying. He was saying, after me is coming the one that all of history points to. That one will be the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. One of the ministries of the Messiah is that he will pour out his spirit on everyone. That's what he does. That's what Jesus does, okay? So there are these three things. Let me kind of say it in different language. Here's, here's a little different language to give you some handles. Is these three experiences, salvation, baptism, and being filled with the Spirit. These three experiences that God's like, I want you to seek these things. Okay, now, let me address an objection. And here's the objection. A lot of people go, hey, Josh, actually, there's not three experiences. There's only two because the first one and the third one are the same and they happen at the same time. So there's not three, there's only two. Now, first of all, let me acknowledge something that's true, that, that this person is getting right, okay? So let me say this. The Holy Spirit permanently indwells every single Christian at salvation. That happens. And there's a lot of Pentecostal Christians that they've turned off people to the concept of being filled with the Spirit because they say stuff like this. They'll say, well, if you haven't been Spirit baptized, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Wrong! Wrong! 
Do not pass go, do not collect $200, okay? And here's why we know that's wrong, because look at this verse from Romans chapter 8. It says this, if, actually, you say the words out loud that are in yellow with me. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ to help me, they do not belong to Christ. So let's work the logic of this verse backwards. Here's how the logic works backwards. What that means is that everyone who belongs to Christ has the Spirit of Christ. That's that logic worked backwards, okay? So we know the Holy Spirit permanently indwells every Christian at salvation, okay? That's what we got right here. Now, that's how many Pentecostal people kind of can get this concept wrong, okay? But then there are some people who come from backgrounds a little bit more like mine, and they read that verse, uh, 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 the Romans 8 verse, and they think, well, Okay, well, I got the Holy Spirit when I was saved and say, well, that's it. You know, the Holy Spirit indwelled me when I was saved. That's it. I've had the only encounter with the Holy Spirit that I needed as soon as I was saved. And God doesn't have anything else for me. And actually, it's wrong to seek it. Okay, I, I, now listen, I'm, we're going to do, do a lot of verses because I need to prove something to you from the Bible real quick because there is more. Okay, so let me show you this. Number one, let me show you uh, what God says to everyone what he said to the apostles, and then the example of Jesus. And by the way, if I get you on the example of Jesus, I just checkmated you, okay? Okay, so let me, let me just show you this. Now, we started this sermon reading Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Now, before y'all toss it up on the screen, let me just ask this question, okay? Let me ask this question, all right? Is the book of Ephesians written to people who are Christians or people who are not Christians? Good job, Christians. Good job. So the very first verse in Ephesians 1 says that it was written to the, quote, faithful Christians who are at Ephesus. So we know Ephesians is written to Christians. They've already been indwelled with the Spirit at salvation. And yet, Ephesians 5.18 tells people who are already Christians, let me look at the verse. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And it says that to people who are already Christians. In other words, uh, Ephesians 5.18 is saying, there's more. I want you to seek more of the Spirit in your life. That's what the Bible says to all Christians. Now, let me, let me up the game. What about the example of the apostles? Do we see this concept that the apostles had an encounter with the Spirit that changed them after their salvation? Well, well let's check it out. Now, uh, let me read you John chapter 20. And here, let me set the table. This is right after Jesus' resurrection. Not all of the apostles have seen the resurrected Christ in person yet. They're in a room, and I'm going to point out some things about this room. Okay, so check this out. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, okay? Note that. For fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Do you know why he said peace be with you? Because if you had the doors locked and some random dude walked right in through the wall, you would need him to tell you, peace be with you. That's, that's Jesus going, chill out, bro. Everything's okay. That's a Josh Standard version, okay? That, that, so he says, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. They were sufficiently freaked out. They needed it twice, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Now, why did he breathe on them? Because the Old Testament word and the New Testament word that gets translated spirit are ruach and pneuma, and it can mean spirit, breath, or wind. So Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
So in John chapter 20, right after Jesus resurrected, the disciples, just like every Christian, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you might go, well, that's it. They had all they needed. There were no other encounters with the Spirit to be sought. That's it. They had everything they needed. But wait, we got a problem. Because fast forward 40 days, so 40 days after John 20, Jesus is getting ready to, be asc- to ascend into heaven. And look at what Jesus says to these exact same apostles in Acts 1, 4 and 5. Watch this. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. What gift? The gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. So these disciples who had already been and dwelt with the Holy Spirit in John 20, now in Acts 1, Jesus is going, guys, there's more. I want you to seek a radical encounter with my spirit that has the power to change you. And that's what happened, okay? So we got everybody. I'm showing you this is what happened to the apostles. Now, what, what about Jesus? Now, what, what about, did this happen to Jesus? Okay, this is really interesting, okay? <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> the encounter of Jesus being filled with the Spirit is recorded in all four Gospels. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you might not think that's a big deal. That's actually a really big deal. There are almost, there's only a few things that are recorded in all four Gospels. Now, there's a reason for that. It's because Matthew, Mark, and Luke only record the last year of Jesus' life. Uh, That's why they're called the synoptic Gospels, because they are similar. Almost all of them, they start, you know, after the beheading of John the Baptist, and they record that last year of Jesus' life. John is different because it records the last two years of Jesus' life, okay? Now, there's only a few things that are recorded in all four Gospels. Here's what they are. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus' baptism, and Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the only things recorded in all the Gospels. Now, I want you to think about why those things. Think about this real quick. Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, that's recorded in all four because that's like our whole deal. That's the that's a most important thing ever happened in human history. Now, why was the feeding of the 5,000 recorded in all four Gospels? God wanted to make sure we knew that carbs were awesome. Okay? So let me just kind of, can we just, let me just say this. And so that gets applause. Okay, that gets applause. I mean, I'm figuring y'all out. That's what I'm figuring out, okay? Can, by the way, can I just point this? Can we please stop with all the carbs are bad, with you, bad for you foolishness? Guys, Jesus did not say that he was the broccoli of life. He did not pray, give us his day our daily kale. He said he was the bread of life. Bread is awesome. That's in the Bible. Okay, that's it. Okay. So, Okay. So, so that's the most you know, passionate you've been this today. All right, so the feeding of 5,000. And then the only other things are Jesus' baptism and his immediately subsequent being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I already read it to you from, I think I read, uh, yeah, I read Matthew. Let me read this account to you from Mark, Luke, and John. Here you go, and, and watch how it's worded. I baptize you with water, John the Baptist says, but he will baptize, immerse you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with 
the Holy Spirit and fire. And then John 1.33, listen real closely to this language. John 1.33, the man on whom you see the Spirit, now watch this, come down and remain. That's important. Come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now let me go back to these, let's go back to these three experiences that God's going, I want every Christian to seek these experiences. Number one, let, let's ask the question, did Jesus have all three of these experiences? Okay, number one, did Jesus experience salvation? All right, trick question, <laughs> trick question. Because when we're saved, we're saved from our sins. The Bible says we are then born again. And when we're born again, we're born into the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Not perfect by our performance, but perfect in our position before God. We are born again into the righteousness of Jesus, okay? Now, Jesus didn't need to be born again because he was born right the first time. No sin nature, Okay, so that's it. So that's number one. So honestly, the, the theological answer to the first question is yes. Jesus got this, you know, he was born right the first time. All right, so it's, uh, experience number one. Now, experience number two, was Jesus baptized in water? Good job, okay, you got that one, okay? Jesus was, he was baptized in water. Now, let me ask this third question. We just read it. Was Jesus filled with the Spirit? Yes, we just read it, that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and remained. And I just want to point this out for all you Bible scholars. Why does Jesus in Acts 1 tell the, the apostles, don't start any of your ministry until you're filled with the Spirit? Why does he do that? Because Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was filled with the Spirit. He knew he would not be able to accomplish supernatural ministry in natural power, and he needed the Spirit to do what God had called him to do. Now watch this, okay? So let me, let me, let me ask you this. All right, question. If Jesus... If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit when he was on earth, how much more do you think you need the Holy Spirit when you're on earth? You need this. We need this power. Now, while I'm on this, uh, I, one of my favorite old preacher jokes is, is about the baptism of Jesus. There's a, an old uh, traveling evangelist who like his, every, every traveling evangelist has like a fastball sermon. And this guy's fastball sermon was on the baptism of Jesus when the dove descends. And so what he would do is he would come into these old country churches. And if you've ever been to one of those, above the pulpit, there's always like a rafter or an opening in the ceiling right above the pulpit. So what he would do is he'd have a dove with him and he'd come in and find a little boy in the church and pay him $10 and say, hey, you climb up there into the rafter with this dove. And as soon as I get to the crescendo of my sermon, I'll shout, and the Holy Ghost came down and you throw that dove down. You know, and so, you know, he did that and he grabbed a little kid and the kid climbed up there. And so this guy gets to the crescendo of his sermon and he said, and the Holy Ghost came down and nothing happened. And so he thought, well, you know, I need to emphasize it. I, he, so he said, I said, the Holy Ghost came down and nothing happened. And so he tried a third time and he, he kind of looked up. And he said, I said, the Holy Ghost came down. And as soon as he did that, a scared little kid peered over the top and he said, Pastor, the cat ate the Holy Spirit. Want me to throw him down instead? Okay, that's it. You got to get that in there. Got to have fun with this. Okay, so here's the pattern. I just want to point this out. 
Here's the pattern in the Bible. Here's the pattern. Is you've got salvation. Or, let's go to the, yeah, there it is. Let me verb, I'm putting in a verb tense. You need to be saved and then baptized. And then at some point in your life, you need to seek God to fill you with his spirit in a fresh way with fresh power. Now, that's the pattern. I want to show, because I want to make sure, I never want to say something that's not in the Bible. So I want to show you this pattern in the Bible, okay? You're going to see this exact pattern. You're going to see that exact pattern in the Bible. Let me read you for a few verses. Acts 2.38, okay? Peter's uh, preaching at Pentecost. He says this. He says, uh, Peter replied, repent. That, that's another word for faith. Faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. So repent. So that, salvation. Repent and be baptized. Step two every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, step three, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts 8. Okay, watch this in Acts 8. You're going to see the same pattern. It's everywhere. But when they believed salvation, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were, step two, baptized both men and women. Now, what you would think is, great, and the verse stops right there because they had all they needed. They'd already been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is indwelt with the Holy Spirit at their salvation, and that's true, so they don't need anything else. Ah, wrong. I need to do that sound effect again. Wrong. So you get Acts 8, 14, skip forward two verses. Here's what happens. The very next thing, when the apostles heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might, step three, receive the Holy Spirit. There it is again. Let me do one more. I keep doing this, okay? It's Acts 19. Acts 19. We've read this before in this series. There he is talking about Paul, who had just uh, come from a place where Apollos was preaching. There he found some disciples already following Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, step one, believed salvation? They answered, they went to, you know, a lot of churches like maybe some of you grew up in a long time ago. They answered, no, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So then Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told people to believe in the one coming after him. That's Jesus. So on hearing this, they were step two baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus when Paul placed his hands on them, they, step three, the Holy Spirit came on them. Guys, this is everywhere in the Bible. We started with, with Ephesians 5. It's a command to every Christian. Man, seek to continually be filled with the Spirit in a fresh way. Now, some people point at that and they go, well, Josh, the, you know, being filled with the Spirit and that kind of thing, that only happened in Acts 2. Ah, wrong again. This happens in Acts 2, it happens again in Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, all throughout the book of Acts. You've got the command in Ephesians 5. You've got Romans 8 talking about how God's Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You've got another verse that talks about how the Spirit of God pours out God's love into our hearts. All these verses are all about the same thing. Now, I just want to point this out in Acts. Some people say that only happened at Pentecost, never again. It was a one-time thing. That's simply not true. We just read these other passages in Acts 8, 10, and 19. Now, point, let me point out a timeline. Acts 8 was five years after Pentecost. Five years after Pentecost. That's Acts 8. Acts 10 was 10 years after Pentecost. 10 years. Okay, now, this one's, think about this timeline. Acts 19 was 25 years after Pentecost. 
25 years after Pentecost, the apostle Paul, the greatest apostle who had, I don't mean to offend anybody, better theology than you. Paul was walking around and he was going, oh man, have you had a fresh encounter with the spirit? I want to make sure you've had that, okay? Now, let me ask this question. Why? Let me, let me finish here. Why? Why do we need this? You may be going, well, Josh, you know, I've already been saved, so I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. That's great. That's kind of a big deal. That's kind of important. And Josh, you know, I've already been baptized, so I've like publicly, I've told everybody that I'm a Christian now. I've gone public, so I've, I've done that. So step one, step two, why do I need this third step? I don't understand. Why do, why do I need this thing in my life, okay? Let, let me use a, a visual illustration really quick here. So here's what I've got. Um, this is a, um, here's what I've got here is, uh, this is a work glove. I almost took this illustration out of this sermon, okay? But just, so just roll with me, I don't know. Okay, this is a work glove, okay? This glove was designed for work, to do something. So like, if it was designed for that, it ought to be able to do that, right? Okay, well, let me just do this. Let's see if it can do the work that it was designed for. Okay, glove, I need you to pick up that Bible. Okay, for real. Let's do it. Pick up. For some reason, I don't understand. It's not working. Maybe, you know, honestly, I think I figured it out. Maybe what this glove is missing is encouragement. So can y'all help me? Let's encourage this glove. You can do it, glove. You've got it. Man, go ahead and live your best life. Get in there, man. Come on. That's not working. Okay, so it wasn't encouragement. That didn't work. Maybe what the glove needs is it needs training and like some discipleship. Because actually, I'm going to personally disciple this glove for a second. So, hey, glove, what you're going to do, here's all you need to do is you just need to use your thumb, you know, opposable thumbs. That's what sets us apart from, you know, primates. You just grab it, and then you just do, fold it over like this, and then you'll just grab like that, and then you just lift. This is real easy. Okay, so I just, can you, that's not, that's not working either. Well, man, uh, gosh, what is, may, I got it. It's missing fellowship. The glove needs fellowship. So let's kind of do this. Missing fellowship. We got some very flamboyant fellowship going on here. And maybe it's a multicultural fellowship. And let's get it all in here. Okay, awesome. Glove, now that you've got fellowship, you know, can you get in there and... I, dang, it's, it's still not working. Okay. Now, can, can I just point this out? Well, let me... Okay. Maybe it's not fellowship. Maybe... Yeah, I hear it. Guys, I figured it out. What happened? This glove... It needs to make a decision to do the work it was called to do. What it needs, it probably needs to rededicate itself to the work that it was called to do. And if it does that in a sincere way, then it'll be able to do it. So, you know, Doug, a, a glove, you could just make a decision of rededication. Well, if you get over there, guys, none of that's working, right? <laughs> just track with me. Okay, here's, let me explain what's happening. This glove, even though it was designed for work, it cannot do the work it was designed for until a living power fills it. And then the living power that fills it does its work through the glove. It does not have the ability to do the work it was designed for in its own strength. Can I say something to you? Listen, you, you know where I'm going. Can I say something to you? We are not able, you cannot live a supernatural life in your natural strength. Guys, we seek God because we need God. 
You cannot live this life, this supernatural life, in your natural strength. So if you're going, hey, why do I need this kind of third thing? Why, why is the Bible commanding me to seek to be filled with the Spirit? Well, here's how it works. When you get saved, you become a new person. When you get baptized, the old person is cut off. And when you're filled with the Spirit in a fresh way, you get a power to walk in the new. See, God does a whole work in your life. And let me just say this. Is this the reason that so many believers walk around feeling defeated and powerless because they don't have the power that God wants to fill you with? That's what's happening here, okay? Now, let me just point this out, kind of these three, these three steps. Everyone in this room, there's a step that you probably need to take, okay? Number one is there's this step of salvation, and I cannot make this more clear. This is the whole reason this church exists. We preach Christ and Him crucified. So listen, that is the only step you need to have taken to go to heaven, is you simply need to, needed to have placed your faith in Jesus uh, for salvation, and that's it. That's the most important step. You don't need anything else for salvation. Think about this. Thief on the cross was never baptized and never had a chance to seek to be filled with the Spirit in a fresh way. Never had a chance. <laughs> I, I would point this out. I bet he would have loved to. I'm sure the thief on the cross would have loved to have knelt down to a Roman soldier and been like, hey man, I was just saved. I probably need to go and be baptized and I'll be right back in a few minutes. I'm sure he would have loved that, but he, he didn't do it. That, so we know that's the most important step. Now, number two is step two is God wants you to be baptized to leave your old self in the water. Can I say something has a bit of an edge to it? But listen, I just wanna speak to you what's true. Just listen. Some of you, you were baptized when you were very young before you were saved and you need to be baptized again in obedience to Jesus. You, you need that, okay? Jesus commanded that. And so very honestly, some of you, you need to either like walk right out that, I'm at the Rockwall campus or whatever campus you're at, you need to walk right out the door and ask somebody right now, can I be baptized in obedience to Jesus today? And we will help you with that. So that's number two, is you, is you need this. Now, number three, many of you, you need this thing that Ephesians 5.18 is commanded. It's going, hey, seek to be filled with the Spirit. And again, I just, again, I, can I just point this out? There's some of you Pentecostal people right now, you're going, oh, great. He's getting ready to get everybody to speak in tongues. No, 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 no. I covered this at the beginning of the sermon. When I had a radical encounter with the Spirit, again, I have never spoken in tongues my entire life. Those two things did happen to me. Freedom from a sin I was unable to get freedom from before. And number two, a power began to rest on my ministry exactly that year, and it has never been the same since. That is what happens when you are filled with God's Spirit in a fresh way. You become more like Jesus, you get power for your calling. God wants you to have that. So last week, I asked you to simply pray a non-threatening prayer. I asked you every day to pray, God, if there's more, I want it. And right now, here's what I'm asking at all of our campuses. If you're in a spot where you're just going, man, God, I want every, everything you've got on offer for me. God, if there's more right now, I want it. Would, would you just, if you're in that heart posture, would you just stand right now? God, if there's more, go ahead and stand right now. God, if there's more, all of our locations right now, if you're going, man, God, if there is anything that you have for me that I'm not experiencing yet, I want it. God, if there's more, I want it. Awesome. Now, 
What the Bible says, Jesus, I'm going to just quote Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, what father among you, if his son asks for a, a fish, is going to give him a stone? And then he said, man, if you then who are evil know how to give, give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know what you need to do to have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit? You just got to ask. That's all you got to do. You got to ask, but listen to me. You got to ask with faith. It's possible to quench the activity of the Spirit in your life through unbelief. So right now, would you do this? Would you just, if you're in that posture, God, if there's more, I want it. Would you just close your eyes and maybe actually stretch out your hands in front of you like this, a posture of receiving. And right now, some of you, you might, this happened to me. I had to do this before the Spirit did a new work in my life. Some of you right now, you need to apologize to the Holy Spirit for quenching him through skepticism and unbelief and just say, man, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. When other people were experiencing you, I was one of the people who was mocking you. I'm so sorry. Apologize to him. And then right now, in your seat, would you just pray this silently in your seat? Would you just say, Jesus, I ask you, to fill me with your Holy Spirit in a fresh way. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, thank you. Man, thank you. We want to be people who want everything you have for us. And so, Father, we are right now, we are your children. And we're just asking our dad, can we please have that gift that you said you would so readily pour out? And so, Father, would you please, I pray for all of these people that, Jesus, you would pour out your spirit on them in power and for times of refreshing. God, give them openness to you. I pray that actually this year, we would kind of look at this year in our church's life and go, man, God did something unique that year. There was a fresh outpouring, a unique power. And God, we want it not for ourselves, but for your glory, oh God for your name to be lifted up, for people to come to know you and for us to know our Heavenly Father in an intimate and powerful way. We want that experience with you. And so, Father, would you please pour yourself out. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. And so we invite you into our presence to rest on our lives for power and for your glory in the crucified, risen name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.